This Week in HPC. IBM makes big buy into weather. And SDSC puts new luster on Comet. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. This Week in HPC can be found on iTunes and Stitcher and in partnership with our friends at top500.org. How are you doing this week, Michael? Very well, Addison. How about you? Doing fine, thanks. I had a little bit of travel earlier this week, a good time in Washington doing the Council on Competitiveness, uh, High Performance Computing Advisory Committee working groups, uh, working to update some research we're doing there. We'll come back to that when it's time for a full report. But in the meantime, we're getting ready for supercomputing and uh, a couple of interesting stories out there. The first one from our friends at Big Blue. Now, uh, what, what's the deal? IBM owns the weather now? Yeah, they're they're about to. It looks like they're making a or they're offering an acquisition for the weather company. This is the company that uh, has basically owns the mobile app for a lot of users that now want to get the forecast online. It owns the Weather Channel, although that's not part of this deal. They, IBM's basically wants to buy the assets of the weather company that centers around their data and their analytics that uh, that that revolves around the weather data. Exactly. This is really almost an Internet of Things kind of play. Right. The weather company, of course, has a lot of sensors everywhere. What did you say, millions, billions of them? Yeah, they have like three billion uh, weather forecast reference points that go into their, their data, as well as 40 million smartphones and 50,000 airplane flights per day. All kind of gets mashed up into the data stream that becomes uh, the, the basis of their weather data set. And, and that's sort of the value here that IBM's buying. There, uh, there are also some software around that, but the, the data is the, sort of the unique part of this. Yeah, the data is the thing, and, and or in this case, the Internet of Things. And IBM is going to be applying its own uh, cloud offerings, its own artificial intelligence, its own software as a service, et cetera, to see what they can do to get out ahead of, uh, presumably, topics like weather forecasting and also relating it to other industries, our everyday lives. There's a lot of productivity in the world that's weather-related. Right. IBM's saying about a third of the GDP is is somehow affected by the weather, and uh, something on the order of a half a trillion dollars uh, gets direct effects from uh, from the weather, and either in, in in damage or some other secondary effect that that uh, causes it. And that's in a, a lot of businesses across uh, the array of commercial of the commercial world. Well, I mean, it, it affects us all in simple ways as well, like for example, traffic on the way to work, which is a lot different depending on the on the weather. And uh, if that can be integrated into devices that we all carry around uh, where, you know, your phone is waking you up 10 minutes sooner because it knows that something's going on out there, then, you know, maybe that's something that we need. Or it's more pleasant to think about it the other way around. It lets you sleep in. The weather's grown nice and the road is clear. Right. And also, of course, the more obvious things for for big businesses that who, whose money sort of revolves around are things like insurance companies and and financial services firms that that are uh, you know, managing assets that are very weather sensitive there's there's often uh, a big weather uh, component to to these assets and and to the activity going on around that 
Yeah, and now the interesting thing to, the, to, to me here is that it really is a continuation of IBM looking ahead to what's fundamentally a different way of thinking about computing or, or really IT, where IBM's path has been data-centric, workflow-centric over anything else, and it really takes you out of the idea of, of jobs and computing and more toward a, a complete integration of uh, how your life is affected by a, a data stream. Right, that's true. Although this, to me, is quite unique. I mean, IBM has bought a lot of technology around what we were just talking about, a lot of data analytics technology, a lot of cloud technology. I mean, in fact, most of the most of the acquisitions they've made over the past decade or more has been around those technologies. But this is different in, in that they're actually buying up a particular data set or set of data sets around a, a particular domain. And here, it's that's sort of a departure. I mean, IBM has done this a little bit in the past. They, they bought up a company called Explorers that has a, a clinical data set, but in general, they they don't delve into domains. But I think they saw the opportunity for weather was, was so big that it was attractive and, and sort of dovetailed well into some of their other businesses. In any case, I think this is one of these clear instances where things, things that are these big mega trends like big data, Internet of Things, and HPC are, are all intersecting. I, I think this is really all three. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think you're seeing that. And I think uh, IBM has sort of been out in front and with that as far as like a, a tier one OEM doing something like this. And I think they're going to continue to go down this path. Well, on the more conventional data side, we've got a new supercomputer launching called Comet at the uh, San Diego Supercomputing Center, not to be confused with the uh, Comet asteroid spooky that's going to do a flyby for Halloween here uh, and uh, Miss Earth just by, what, one and a half moon lengths or something like that. So we're all spared from that Halloween disaster. But the Comet Supercomputer is now online in San Diego, and they've got some interesting things going on on the file system technology side. Yeah, they do. First, we should sort of recap what, what Comet is. It's basically it's the, the NSF computer that, that follows in a long line of NSF computers at San Diego Supercomputing Center. This is now the, the biggest one, obviously, because it's the latest and greatest. It's a two-petaflop system. Uh, basically, uh, with with seven petabytes of storage, which we'll get to in a moment, it's it's built by the the storage or the uh, compute parts built by Dell. It's uh, pretty conventional. It's got the Xeons in it. It's got uh, a few GPUs. It's got some large memory nodes, um, and then it's got some as, as well as some uh, flash memory in in some of the compute nodes. So, in a way, it's sort of a vanilla system. But the uh, the storage part, the seven petabytes of luster, is is somewhat unique. Yeah, the big news there is that they're integrating Lustre with uh, ZFS, or I should say OpenZFS. And this is a, a partnership where they're, they're doing some work together with Livermore and also Intel. This is uh, the Enterprise Edition Lustre from Intel. Um, I had to read this closely to see what they're doing, but really what you were talking about is, is Lustre is the wrapper to give you a, a lot of the, the parallelism, the parallel file system, but, but they're bringing in uh, functionality 
from OpenZFS to handle a lot of the software RAID functionality, the software monitoring, the data health uh, that goes on underneath. So uh, you can build a higher performance. The goal is to build a higher performance RAID uh, in a parallel file system, and they're achieving some pretty high numbers. They talked about 240 terabytes read or write in 20 minutes' time, which is basically 200 gigabytes a second. Right, very very high bandwidth, and yeah, like you said, the the, the OpenZFS is in there to improve the uh, reliability and the robustness on on top of Lustre, which is it's not considered in general enterprise ready in any by any stretch of the imagination. But it's interesting to see this sort of experiment happening in uh, in an NSF center, a supercomputing center, and something like this. I mean, if successful, would have a much wider applicability to the commercial world than than even to us, some of the research organizations. Yeah, that's the big reason we wanted to pick up on this, because uh, in as much as we've seen growth in uh, GPFS, which is now spec part of the spectrum storage from IBM or, or Luster, including Intel's uh, uh, investments in Luster, parallel file systems of any type just aren't well adopted yet in commercial arenas. And that's despite the fact that you've got big data pushing hard on the need for greater I.O. scalability. It seems like there's a real need for a commercial-ready uh, parallel file system environment. Now, if Intel's involved in a project that's going to uh, build some of the enterprise functionality or, or enterprise data hardening of ZFS, which is a well-adopted uh, enterprise file system, if they can combine that together with the, the parallelism features and the performance features of Luster, you might really have something that, that they can... Uh, the, you might really have something for commercial markets. Yeah, exactly. That would be an interesting offering. It might dilute some of the the standardness of Luster to some extent, depending upon how this is done. But it, it's certainly a, an avenue that that Intel at least seems interested enough to to partner on this particular project for. So uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see how how it develops if it does develop in that yeah. direction. And ZFS is hardly an unknown in the HPC space either. This was a an important file system technology inside of. Sun. Yeah, actually, think about it. Both Luster and ZFS right. were, were both within Sun there for a while. But Sun had a lot of penetration in high-performance storage. We still find a lot of ZFS users in our uh, site census surveys on uh, on the storage side in HPC. So uh, to have a, a partnership there between OpenZFS and Luster, yeah, this, this is probably something Intel's got to be looking at how they can productize it going forward. Yeah, and good story all around. And yeah, we'll we'll keep track of this. And uh, congrats to SDSC for putting out another very interesting system and sort of being ahead of the the data intensive curve on the HPC side. Uh, good all around. All right, Michael. That'll wrap us up for October. That means November's next, and that means supercomputing in Austin is not too far behind. But yes, uh, for now, uh, that wraps up another episode. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to this week in HPC. Listening to this week in HPC. 